song because it's true. God is good. And it's also a great song. It's a memorable song for my wife and I. We actually sung it as a duet for our, um, for our reception, wedding reception. And so we sung it and, you know, and uh, the, the, the venue MC was so inspired, he, he got up and sang as well. Um, but he sang, why, 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 uh, my, oh, my, Delilah. All right, so I don't know how that song inspired that song, but, you know, and uh, you won't ask me to ever sing that second song, all right? So, but uh, let's uh, turn our Bibles to First Peter chapter 1 this morning again, and if you don't mind, just be ready with your Bibles. We'll be turning to several different places, and last week we started our, our morning series, um, One for All. And an understanding that, that we're, we're here for one another as we uh, come together as a, the, the church family. And I hope that you've been reflecting on last week as we spoke about how love is a foundation of our fellowship. And we understand that firstly it was because of the fact that, that God loved us, that he was willing to send his only son to die on the cross of Calvary for our sins. And uh, we recognize that because of that, then we then have a great responsibility to owe each other love. And this morning, I'm going to continue with that thought regarding our, our fellowship with one another. And we're going to look at really the, the nature or the mindset, the, the attitude that we are to bring into our fellowship. And, you know, I, uh, I love coming to church. I just love hearing one of my, my most favorite sounds in the whole world is just hearing a church talking with one another. I like to call it chatter. I like to call the. I like to hear the chatter of the church prior to and after, and um, I love hearing different voices excited, excitedly catching up after a week apart or a couple of days apart. And and personally, it brings me great joy to hear that in a church, to hear that kind of energy and that enthusiasm. And you know, my heart is often warmed by the fact that different people from different places, different backgrounds, different ages are all the children of the Heavenly Father, and we're here together, talking, communing, um, fellowshipping. And that's a good thing. It ought to be something that we, we strive for as a church. And we understand that uh, apart from all of those surface differences, maybe our accents, maybe our appearance, and other surface characteristics, we have our great commonality, and that's the person of Jesus Christ, Right? And, you know, regarding this kind of familial love for one another, author Jim Berg writes it and says it this way, it is this conscious effort to remind ourselves of our common family origins and common family goals that forms the foundation of brotherly affection. This is a natural outgrowth for the one who has been, it is this, um, sorry, this, this is a natural outgrowth for the one who has been cultivating godliness and the virtues before it. He has been growing in loving God with all of his heart, building commitment to Jesus Christ, and subordinating all of his life under the Lordship of Christ. The godly man's goal is to love what God loves and hate what God hates. Since he has grown in love for the Father and his Son, he does not find it hard to love the rest of the Father's children in the way the Father loves them. And so we spoke a little bit about that, and, and, you know, it's really with this imperative that Peter in our text reminds us that the outflow of our being born again, being uh, placed into God's family, 
is really this, this unfeigned love that we are to have for our family in Christ. But how do we do this? In the next couple of sermons starting today, we're going to look at Scripture and we're going to study the one another passages to understand the nature of our relationship with each other. What is the nature of that, the attitude in which we need to have and the function of family relationships or the duties that we need to perform one to another. And so it's going to be more, again, as we, we look at this series, we're going to look more a little studiously at the things of, of Scripture here. And so I hope you'd follow along. Let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to bless as we get into the Scriptures this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you again for your grace and your mercy. And Lord, we need you. Father, the things we're going to speak about today really it's, it's, doesn't flow from, a, from our nature in, in, in Lord, in our old man, it, it really flows from a, uh, from a right relationship with you. It really flows out of, Lord, an earnestness to want to please you. And Father, we battle, all of us, each, each and every day with that. And yet we recognize, dear Lord, that your expectation is that we would. We would uh, follow through and we would have this attitude, this nature, this mindset. And so I pray that you'd help us this morning. I pray that you'd please just... Um, Help me, Lord, as I communicate the things of your word. And Lord, may you be lifted up. May you be glorified. May your word do its work. And we pray and ask these things in Christ's most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. So we read there in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, just again, um, th- this, this unfeigned love that we have, we're supposed to have for the brethren. And recognizing that, that we have a duty, all of us here, to come into our assembly this morning and to have a certain mindset, a certain attitude. And I don't know about you, but you know, oftentimes when we, we can default into things. You know, sometimes we just see our gathering together as just another thing on our schedule. And you know, all of us here, we, we try to follow some sort of schedule, I, I think. We understand what time we start work, what time we finish work, and then what time dinner is and all of that. And we try to follow through, but if we're not careful, we can add to all of those things that can somewhat become a regularity and menial. We can add to that the gathering together of the church. And if we're not careful, we can have that attitude. But, you know, as, as God's people, we need to be a little bit more purposeful than that. You understand that God, when He saved us, He didn't just save us and then we're unchanged. We're saved to be changed, right, church? But then also, he, he gives us greater purpose. He's given us a greater purpose in which we live by, and, and so we have to take that into our gathering as well. And, and to start with, I want to uh, ask you to turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, and, and help you understand this morning, I hope, that there's certain attitudes that we need to carry into the church. This is the, the nature of which we gather, the, the mindset that we are to have. And uh, we know the verses in verses 1 and 2, we see, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We know those verses. Probably some of our uh, Sunday school kids would uh, have that memorized as, uh, as part of their uh, scripture memory. It's a good couple of verses to memorize. But in that context, we then start to see the spiritual gifts and then some commandments, some outflows that we're meant to have. Notice verse 10. He says, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor 
preferring one another. And we're going to start with some specific attitudes that we're going to uh, have to have if we're going to uh, do this thing of being one for all. We're going to start with these specific attitudes. You know, when you go into uh, a company um, years ago when I was finishing high school, I was trying to consider what I was meant to do for my, my life's, uh, life career and so forth. And I knew I had a calling, but uh, my dad, he had asked me to go through university, so I got into an accounting course. But as part of that, I wanted to experience that a little bit. And so I went to some of the, uh, through some, uh, some of the key accounting organizations, some of the larger ones, and I tried to see if they had some internship um, programs. And so I went to, uh, uh, to several of them. And what I noticed about uh, each one of them is that they had something in common. When you walk into their waiting area, just, just somewhere, place somewhere significant would be their company values. They would have different values, each of them, and, and there would be some common themes. But you go in there, and they, they sort of give you a clue as to what they're all about. You go in there, and you, you know, they might have the, 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 the value of uh, honesty or integrity, and, and so forth. And you can name them all, and uh, probably most organizations will have that, you know, it'll all be the same letter, starting with the same letter, right? So you can memorize it. But what those are, they're, they're like our house rules when we come into our house. They really speak more not about just the general thing that people, it, it really speaks about what the organization is all about, what their values are. And for us as Christians, you know, we can have things on our walls, but, but the, it, we could have things on our walls. And we might do that over the course of this coming year. We might identify what our values are as, as, as Good Shepherd Baptist Church, as our church family. But those are less important, much less important than how we are towards each other. We could have all of that. And, and here's some, some of those specific attitudes or values that we ought to have. This is the nature of our gathering Firstly, as we see here in Romans chapter 12, verse 10, we are to be kindly affectioned one to another. And then notice the second part in honoring, preferring one another. And here's the emphasis that we ought to have when we come into our fellowship and our gathering, whether it's here or throughout the week or when we see each other throughout the week. We need to be firstly others-focused. We need to be others-focused. And this is the mindset that it's not about me, it's about you. You know, inherently, as I spoke about last week, inherently, we are selfish people. And, and none of us here is an exception to that. We, in our nature, we, in our natural state, we will look out for ourselves. You know, you, you look at the, the world around us, and, and self is glorified. And, and we see yet, though, the expectation and the value that we ought to have, we ought to be others-focused and it's, it's this idea of, of kindness and tenderness one toward another. That, that uh, phrase there, kindly affection, uh, simply just means this, to have a passion to be kind to others. You know, we're all passionate, no doubt. Some of you, the last couple of days, you've been really passionate. You've been watching the footy, all right? Some of you, you've suddenly, you've broken out your, you know, your jerseys and you wear all of these paraphernalia. Now, my team was out weeks ago, so it doesn't matter anymore. 
But all of us here, we have some sort of passion, and, and we bring passion out, don't we, to things that we, we idealize, that we think matters to us. Now, how about one another? You know, I wonder if we even notice as we come into the, the, the gathering, our assembly today about others. I wonder if we're just so focused in, uh, in getting to where we're supposed to be and doing what we're supposed to do that we've lost touch of the, the, the mindset that we're supposed to have of others. That word preferring simply means to promote others above yourself. And I wonder if we're more, more passionate about how others are today than how we are. If we would be noticed. If they would, if others would notice if we're not smiling today or we're, we're wearing a new tie or we've got a new dress or all of those things. And, and we could be so mindful of ourselves that we've lost sight of what actually matters and so the first place we see this specific attitude of others minded. It's not about me, it's about you. But notice with me another specific attitude. Look at Romans chapter 15. And again, let's follow along really quickly today. Romans chapter 15, look at verses 5 and 6. Here's the next specific attitude. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I, I was watching the, the choir this morning and our, 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 our vocal group, and have you noticed that when they sing, they, their mouths move at the same time, right? Now, that's a key thing, right, for, for choirs, if their mouths are moving all at different times, then the conductor is not doing his job, right? And we see that, that what's produced out of that is a, is a sound. It's a specific sound. There's harmonies. And all of that practice and all of that involves so that it's, it sounds like one voice in a sense. And that's the, the thing that he's saying here in verse 6, that you may be with one mind and one mouth glorify God. Here's the next thing. Next specific attitude that we're going to identify, not only should we, we, we be others-focused, but we, could, we should be singular in our purpose. And here's what I'm saying. As we enter into this gathering, this assembly, this service time, we should be singular in our purpose. It's about the Lord. It's not about me. Right? Sometimes it's, it's about how we're feeling. And I understand all of us, we feel different. We may have, as, as, uh, as John mentioned during his song leading, sometimes we've had a, a rough week, sometimes we've had a busy week, sometimes we're really tired on a Sunday. And, and, you know, we try to teach our children when they're coming into the church house, it's not about you, son, daughter, it's about the Lord. And, you know, yet we as adults, we should apply that first. It's about, it's about the Lord, See, the glory of God is paramount in our actions toward one another. We want God's mind. We don't want our agenda. We want God's glory, not my credit. You know, sometimes we can come into the church house and we can uh, have this attitude that, that if we're going to serve, we better be noticed. If we're going to do something, we better to get the credit that we deserve. And we understand that all of us here, we, 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 ought, to, we, we ought to serve with the mindset that it's for the Lord. 
Hey, we ought to give credit to those who are its due. We, we, we praise the Lord for those who practiced in, in, the, in the orchestra or here up here as they sung or those who greeted you, those who cleaned over the course of this week, those who prepared so that we can be here, so that we are unhindered in all that we do. Those who prayed, we ought to praise God for that. But most of all, it ought to be all about Him. That ought to be our mindset. That ought to be our singular purpose today is not that we impress each other. No, is that we give him the praise and glory that he deserves. That ought to be. We ought to be singular in our purpose. In 1 Peter 3, 8, he says, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. And our attitude of singular mindedness produces these, these other functions that we'll look at next week. But in Romans 12, 16, he says, Be of the same mind, one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceit. See, the problem, though, is this, and, and really it, 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 it undoes all of that we're speaking about already this morning. The great enemy of others' focused and singular-mindedness is really this, simply pride. When, when we're too high-minded of our, of our own, says, be of the same mind one toward another, mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. See, the enemy of this is pride, something we need to regularly guard against. And, and you know, really, when we come into this, and we'll, we'll identify this in a little while, when we come into this, as we sung, really, there's no, we ought to be all equal at the, at the foot of the cross. We ought to have that mindset that none of us are above the other. That in fact, if there was such to be a thing, we ought to pr promote others above ourselves. He's saying there that that's our purpose, is if we do all of that, then it glorifies God. It, it's about others. But then also, in regard to that, here's another specific attitude that we ought to have. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, notice verses 31 to 32. And, and again, some familiar verses to you, perhaps. In verse 31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So he's saying all of these, these things, and really they can be uh, attributed to the works of the flesh. He says in verse 32, And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And here's, here's the next specific attitude that we ought to have as we come together. Not only should we be others-focused, not only should we, should we be singular in our purpose, but then also we need to just simply be kind-hearted. Okay, it's about giving kindness, not expecting kindness. Yeah, I think all of us here would we'd care to admit we'd love, we, love, we love it when people are kind to us, right? You know, I, I again, appreciate the... The, the things that, that uh, people do to show kindness. We ought to appreciate that. But you know, it's more about what we do to show kindness than the kindness that we receive. Right? It's more blessed to give than to receive. And we, we apply that in, in just that one sense of, you know, the giving, but we, we can give other things. We can give kindness and what this is, these two verses, it's directional to, from us to others. It's toward others, not toward me. 
This is the attitude that says I'm tender toward those who are, are, are from my family in Christ. I'm tender to those who are perhaps coming into the building and, and are bearing heavy burdens and perhaps even are looking for the truth. And I wonder if we would even look around today and just be kind-hearted to those who have a need. Kind-hearted to those perhaps who are looking for a friend. They're, they, maybe there's someone here today that uh, hasn't been here for a long time or, or hasn't been here at all. This is their first time and they're looking around and they're looking for a friend. You know, just simple kindness is just to say hello. Simple kindness is just to acknowledge others and one another. You know, how many people did we say hello to on our way to our seat? How many did we greet? How many did we notice? How many did we immediately, uh, just because we got a sense of the heaviness on their heart, did we just simply uh, call to God in, in simple faith in prayer for them? How many of us this morning just got up and we understood that we're going to come in and there's going to be some that, that are just uh, are way, way uh, have gone through a really rough week as has been mentioned and have, are in a way worse state is what I was trying to say than us. And we've just thought, you know, I just want to be kind today. In my words, in my deeds. And this is the attitude that says I want to be tender toward those around me and in 2 Peter 1.7, in godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Notice that. Notice that it follows after godliness is brotherly kindness. We already spoke last week that if really when we're, we're not loving one toward another, it's not about the other. We ought to examine firstly our heart for the Lord. That's really what is the instigator of, of love to others is our love for Christ. And again, godliness, to be like God. Produces brotherly kindness. So the, the outflow of that in our lives is kindness to our brethren. Kindness to our church family. And in verse, verse 31 in Ephesians 4, these are things that we need to put away. These are attitudes or bad attitudes, work of the flesh that, that can hinder that kindness. You know, notice there it says bitterness. Put it away. Wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking, you know, all of these things that sometimes can dwell in our imaginations. Things that we don't easily let go of. He's saying, put that away and then be ye kind one to another. Notice the order of that. And, and we have an example of this attitude, even as God for Christ's sake. You know, we have the great example of the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the way, can I remind you this morning was kind to us when he didn't need to be kind to us? Hey, church, can I remind you we deserve judgment? And yet through his kindness, he laid down his life. You know, that, that's really the message of reconciliation, right? And we understand again how, how great a sacrifice our Lord Jesus was willing to make on the cross of Calvary. And yet here we are, sometimes a little thing triggers us to show not kindness, but anger, clamor, evil speaking, one little look, one little neglect, and we become so impatient, and we become so unkind. 
And that's a mindset that we need to take. I wonder if we would just give ourselves a little bit of a pep, pep talk each time we come together. And just look at yourself in the mirror and say, you be kind today, right? Don't just tell your kids, tell yourself. Just have that mindset, kindness. But then look at the next specific attitude that we have. Look at 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. And notice there, likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Then notice this, he says, yea, all of you be subject one to another. And be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. And what we'll see here is firstly that, that mindset again of lowliness. Be lowly-minded. And what that is, it's about lowering yourself to elevate others. It's about lowering yourself to elevate others. To submit means to sink low, to surrender. Right? You, you have someone who, is, who sinks low. They're bowed down so low they're on the ground. They're subject. They place, it's placing yourself under another's authority. And, and humility, humility here is having this lowliness of mind. It's having a, really a right estimation of yourself considering who God is. You understand that, again, no matter how much we've achieved, no matter our status of life, whatever, uh, whatever age or gender we are or whatever background we have, really in comparison to who God is, we're all pretty low. Right? God is, God is absolute perfection. He is the standard. It's not the guy next to you. It's not the person next to you. It's not the person behind you. No. He's the absolute standard, and, and in comparison to him, we're all low. That's the right estimation. You know, we can get carried away, can't we, with our status in life. We can get carried away of who we are, and we can get carried away, and we can so quickly fall in love with ourselves, and suddenly we're high-minded. Suddenly we think much of ourselves. I remember a story my dad told me, he was a, a, a local apprentice at the U.S. naval base there in the Philippines. And, um, and he, he, was, uh, he was part of a, a Bible study during that time in, in the base. And he remembers that he would go in there and he was a lowly apprentice. But in that gathering, there were those who were high-ranking officers. So there were some, you know, some generals that would come in who were Christians, who were part of the Bible study. And he was saying that outside of that Bible study, you know, they would salute to these men. But as soon as that Bible study started and they walked through the doors, they were all the same. It was just brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so. And, and they would say they would, they would leave their rank outside the door. And listen, it, was, it would do us good this morning if we would just leave our rank outside the door. If we would just be lowly of mind. You know, some of you, no doubt, as I look around, you've, you've achieved a lot more in life. Or you've raised your children. You've, you've gone through some experience. You've achieved much in your industry. Some of you are captains in your industry. And listen, all of that, all of that in comparison to what we are in Christ fades to insignificance. Now, we're glad for it. But in, in Christ, we're the same. 
See, humility is having that right estimation. In Romans 12, 3, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. In Romans chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. It's that lowliness of mind is really underpinning all of that we've mentioned. And, and that's, if I can say, that's the key ingredient. You know, if we're going to come in and we're going to have those attitudes that, that play out, that, are, that we identified, others focus, singular in our purpose of glorifying God, or understanding again that, that we ought to be kind-hearted to one, towards one another, that we ought to be lowly in mind, it's really underpinned by this key ingredient. It's this key ingredient of humility. You know, this is the overriding attitude that will manifest in the, 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 these specific attitudes. And, you know, Ephesians chapter 4, go back there with me. Ephesians chapter 4, we'll, we'll go back. And notice verses 1 and 2 now. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. That word vocation is simply your your who you are specifically, the things that you're called to, right? So if you're a man here this morning, you're called to be a man. If you're a lady here this morning, you're called to be a lady. But then specific more to that is the calling that you have, all right? You're called to be a father. You're called to be a mother. You're called to this and that. That's your vocation. But then he says here, he says, walk worthy of that. How? With all lowliness and meekness, right? Humility. Philippians 2.3, let nothing be done through strafe or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. And I wonder how we value others. You know, I think we all have different sets of ways we value others. We look and we, maybe we judge by clothing. Maybe we judge by education. Maybe we judge by physical prowess. Maybe we judge by just... Uh, just other some other metric, you know. We measure people. We 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 look at a, a certain scale of things, and we then quickly make a judgment whether we're going to go see that person or not, whether we're going to entertain them or not, whether we're going to come alongside them or not, whether they're going to be our friend or not. And we value others, and 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 to some degree, I think we ought to have a, an understanding of where the Bible would sit on that. You know, it's like going to the scale at the marketplace, right? Some, some of you, you go grocery shopping and at, at the produce aisles, there's some, it's not just specific prices, it's per kilo, right? And you go there and you, you just trust that that measure is correct, right? But, uh, you know, often, often in life, I wonder if we would just, we would just adjust. I wonder if we would ask ourselves, are we using the right measure, are we using the right measure? The Bible says in Proverbs 11.1, 1, A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is His delight. How we weigh each other. I wonder if that would be a false balance or it's a just weight. And I want to remind you this morning, each soul is someone Jesus willingly paid the ultimate price for. And I wonder if you've thought of that. You know, again, in our, in, in our society, we, we, we judge on every other level. Except for the basis of all levels, we're all souls 
that Jesus willingly died for. You know, the, the guy that you walk past to, uh, for, uh, you walk past at going to work, the guy that, you know, he's a bit disheveled, he smells a bit. You know, you might even feel sorry for him. You know, that guy is someone Jesus died for. You know, that person that you're having a problem with in the church, that you just wouldn't give him the time of the day, that you won't do all you can to try to reconcile. You know, that person that you avoid, that's a soul that Jesus willingly died for. And too many times we let ourselves off and we use other metrics to be able to measure and then justify ourselves. And you know what that is? It's not humility. It's, it's a wrong estimation of ourselves. It's pride at times. And, and we go about and we, we justify ourselves. And yet each soul is someone Jesus willingly paid the ultimate price for. And we, we better take care that we're not comparing ourselves amongst ourselves because the Bible says we're not wise about that. And sure, the, you know, brother so-and-so might be a little, be a little bit different to you and, and sister so-and-so may, uh, may do things a little bit different to you. But listen, if they're not encroaching on biblical principle and biblical rule, we ought to give each other the space and not judge. We ought to be lowly. We ought to approach it with humility. It reminds me of the two uh, two men, one a Pharisee who prayed, and that Pharisee who prayed all of his achievements. You know, I fast twice a day and all of this, and versus the publican who was low. You know, the Bible only says about that one in Luke 18. He says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. I wonder if we would have the mindset of humility. You know, too many times we, again, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with this. We want to show our best on Sunday. But I wonder if, if we've fooled ourselves into thinking, well, because we've shown our best, we must be the best. Instead of just lowering ourselves and re recognizing, you know, we're entering into a room who are full of sinners, and thankfully, that can be saved by grace. I hope that's us this morning. I hope that, that we look around and, and perhaps even with the mindset that we would just be low before the Lord. You know, our, our great example is Jesus himself. And uh, second last place we'll turn to, look at Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And notice here, and again, these are familiar verses perhaps if you've been in church any length of time, but in verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man. Here it is. This is the Lord Jesus. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You know, you imagine, the, you imagine the, the God of heaven. This is the Lord Jesus. He, he humbled himself. He lowered himself. You, you imagine the, you know, it's September. We, we probably at some point saw some sort of commemoration about 9-11, right? 
And that, that was a heinous, heinous event. You look at all the deaths and, and you know, for, I know that we had someone on the ground during that time. Our pastor back then, Damien Demetrio, was actually in New York during that time. But I remember just, again, just um, hearing all of that. And imagine, imagine all of the, imagine all of the, 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 the criminals. You, you look at all of them. And you would agree with me, I think, this morning that they deserve every judgment under the sun, right? It was wicked. Now, imagine, imagine someone who is completely innocent of all of that, and then for the sake of making peace, for the sake of, of just making sure that, that, that there's some sort of retribution, he presents himself and he says, don't punish them, punish me for it. That is what Jesus did. That, that's the kind of humility Jesus showed for you and I so that you and I can be saved. He took the worst crimes that, that all of the history of the world ever committed and he put it upon himself and he says, punish me instead. And listen, that's lowly. That's humility. And yet here, all of us here, I know for myself, at some point we shouted, but that's my right. Well, that person shouldn't have treated, and probably true, but we won't take it. Why? Because, again, sometimes we just, we're just out to watch out for ourselves, and yet that attitude of humility, and you know how we know that's going to be evident in the church? Because it's going to produce something. If we come with the right attitude, if we come, and the nature of our gathering is one of others' focus of singular in our purpose, of kind-heartedness, of lowliness of mind, of humility as the base attitude and nature of our time together, you know how we're going to know? It's going to produce this. It's going to produce unity. You know, unity is actually an outflow of a right attitude. You know how we're going to have unity as a church? If we would approach our time together and approach our family with a humbleness one toward another. Because it says there in Ephesians chapter 4, last place we'll turn. Ephesians chapter 4, go back there. It says, With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's going to be peace, there's going to be unity in the church. And listen, that, that unity is something we ought to strive for. You know, we, when we're others-focused, when we're singular in our purpose, when we're kind in heart, when we're lowly of mind, then what we will see is unity. But we have to endeavor, he says, endeavoring to keep that. Okay, that means earnest and prolonged effort. It's, it's, it's purposely approaching our time as a church family and our gathering and, and then our, our, just our relationships with one another with an intentional humility one toward another. And so humility means that we lower ourselves, we take on the mind of Christ, we understand that we are the least and others are better than ourselves. And then at the end, it produces God's glory, it produces pleasure for Him. Because the Bible says this in Psalm 133 verse 1, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. 
Hey, listen, do, do we want to please God this morning? Do we want to please the Lord? Is that, is that our heart today? Is that our heart every day? Then we ought to be grounded in love. But that love ought to produce a humbleness of mind that we have one toward another. You know, no doubt, as I look around, there's, there's, some, there's some who've achieved great things here. There's some who, you know, if we were to compare resumes, CVs, you, you would, man, your, yours would be much longer than mine. If we were to compare even maybe achievements for the Lord, I know, no doubt, there's some of you who are greater prayer warriors. But, you know, all of us here, I think we understand who we are in Christ. You know, I wonder if, um, I wonder if we find it pleasant when our children are constantly fighting. Anyone love that? No. And God doesn't like it either. When we're constantly at each other and we won't lower ourselves. And go, you know what? I I I, I do have I do have a, a right of way here, but I'm gonna I'm gonna lower myself. Why we have an example in the, in the Lord when we strive to have unity by having the right attitudes, having this uh, based on humility. Then at the end of the day, we please God, and if we please God, that all that, that's all that matters. You know, how's our attitude today? Have you come understanding who you are before a holy God? Have you come with others in mind in in, in wanting to bless and help? Have you? come with one mind to give God glory? Have you come with a determination, a passion to show kindness to each other? Have you come with a lowliness of mind? And that's the thing. You know, knowing that we're in the company of those whom Jesus has paid the ultimate price for, I think when we think about it that way, that in my mind, it's easier to be low. Why? Because God saved us. And, and sometimes... I think we need an attitude adjustment. You know, this is the nature of our relationship with one another. These ought to be our values. So perhaps allow the Spirit of God to make that adjustment in you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for the time. Lord, I know that uh, it's often difficult, I know, in me to hear that I need to humble myself. Lord, I know that in my my flesh, Lord, in my heart, I want to fight against that. Lord, it, it, it's, it's painful at times. And yet, Lord, I know that it's so necessary if, if, Lord, our relationship with one another will be righted. Lord, I pray that you would just help us, Lord, as we um, continue on to respond, Lord, in a way that you would be pleased this morning. Pray that you'd help us, Lord, examine our hearts, Lord, um, search us, oh Lord, this morning. As the piano begins to play, I'm going to have every head bowed, every eye closed, and we're going to have this time of invitation. And if the Lord spoke to your heart today and you just simply say, Lord, examine my heart. If you just be willing this morning to say, Lord, I examine my heart, I want to ask you and invite you to come right now at the altar. Just say, Lord, help me, Lord, to just be the, the kind of Christian that I need to be, the kind of member of this church family that I need to be, someone who just lower themselves. And Father, I pray that you would just help each and every one. Lord, I pray that you'd help me. 
Lord, as I, I pastor this church to have a lowliness. And maybe you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, then today I pray will be the day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. So don't hesitate to, to um, come and speak to me or speak to someone who brought you today about how it is that you, you can be saved. But as a piano plays, would, would we do business with the Lord? Would we lower ourselves this morning? Say, Lord, I've been thinking too highly of myself. And Lord, in all, all humbleness, in all contrition, here I am. Would we just uh, allow the Lord to speak to us today?